Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Susanna, and welcome to the Codeco podcast. In this podcast, we'll keep you up to date with the latest app development tech talk. Now, here's the show. Thanks. This is the Codeco podcast. Welcome to episode two for season one. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, the 28th of October, 2022, for release on Thursday, the 17th of November, 2022. I'm your host, Drew Freeman, along with my awesome co-host, Susanna Skyer-Gupta. Thanks, Drew. In this episode, we're going to learn way more about the Codeco rebranding and about rebranding generally. We want to welcome to this episode our guests, Chief Marketing Officer of Codeco, Chris Belanger. Hello, Chris. Hi, folks. Thanks. It's great to be back in the podcast again. It's been some time. It has been. But we dragged you back here. Oh, didn't have to drag me too far. I love talking about this. I don't know. I got a message a few minutes ago from somebody saying, you really sure you want me to come on? <laughs> I'm saying I love to talk about it. Whether or not people have to listen to it is a different story. But hopefully, the, hopefully there's a... Uh, some nuggets here for everybody. Well, and and of course, you've already tipped one vessel here. You you, you said you said oh, so we have to say that you are actually from far far northern area than most of the people in the states. You are living in mostly. I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, way out on the east coast. Um, mostly born and bred here. wasn't born here, but I pretend I was. So it just makes things easier. But beautiful spot. Yeah, love being up here. Just starting to get cold a little bit. We don't have to build the eagles quite yet, though. I just uh, I just came back from being a week on vacation. Was up in Buffalo, and we actually saw a little bit of snow up there. Four little word. We don't talk about that yet. It's only October. We don't talk about snow yet. No, it's only October. Give it a month. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, as always, we're going to spend a couple of minutes to find out a little bit about Chris, rather than about the work and about everything going on. Mm. So obviously, the first question is, when you're not attached to Codeco or Ray or anything that is marketing-wise, what do you do for fun? Oh, well, you never turn the marketing off. You're always thinking. But I tell you, I'm a huge outdoors enthusiast and um, huge hiker. I love going hiking with my wife, my dog, my friends. Um, this part of the world is beautiful. We've got we has a song go? We've got mountains, we've got rivers, we've got sites to make you shiver. There's there's miles and miles and miles of coastline. We have mountains here, we have beautiful river valleys, like we have we have everything here. So I do spend a ton of time out just enjoying everything here. And I've I've lived here almost my entire life and still haven't seen everything I want to see. So it's a lot of outdoor time for sure. Um it's it's one of my passions. My wife and I, we go uh, what we call beach chasing. Some people chase storms. We chase beaches, which is a little easier uh, because beaches don't move, unlike storms. Um, <laughs> but you, you have to, if, if you understand the geography of Nova Scotia, we're almost completely surrounded by water. We're almost an island, but not quite. And that um, and that means, as far as we can tell, looking at Google Map or Google Earth and our various atlases around, there's about 300 beaches in this area. Wow, 100 of them are named. Nice. Um, and we've so we've tried to visit as many as we can. But but um, property, the coastal property ownership in this place is a little weird, and coastal access is weird. I think similar to what we have in California and other coastal places. So we can't actually get to all of them because they end up being mm. private. But I think we've got about 75 or 80 on our list right now. And um, the old SUV is taking a beating, getting down some of these roads. But yeah, there's so much to see here. And uh, I, I don't think I'll see all of just this area in my lifetime. But that's that's oh. that's generally what I love to do. 12 months a year, too. We hit the beach in January. We really do. Wow. That's a neat hobby. That's, that's, 
that's cold. I, I, I have pictures here of us in our parkas and the wind is just whipping. We've been there in snowstorms, but there's no one else there. It's great. Whole place to ourselves. <laughs> you don't polar bear, do you? No, we were there once. It must have been January, walking down the road, walking down the beach, and there was actually a few people there, and they were wearing these big, like, teddy bear um, zip-up onesies. And I'm like, that's odd. Anyways, so the onesies come flying off. They run into the ocean in January, splash around, come back, and we're in our parkas just, like, looking. These people are crazy, but they did it, so, but no. It's amazing. You get you get hypothermia watching them. I do I'm I'm shiver, I'm just I got shivers on my back thinking about these people dashing into the Atlantic surf in January. So no, we do not do that. We are fair weather swimmers. I had a lot of friends in the Pacific Northwest out in uh, Seattle who used to polar bear in, in January. It, it was a it was a New Year's Day tradition for them. So how how's the the the, the flora out there? Are you getting good colors? Um, we did. We had a hurricane come tearing through here just about a month ago. Actually, we were out of power for six days. Um, it took a fair bit of the leaves off the trees just before they started to turn. Everything was still mm. a bit green. Um, but but what was nice is that that brought up all those beautiful tropical weather. Following it, it stayed warm. Ooh. The colors came out. So fall was safe. That was nice in this area. Um, it was it was the Grinch that saved uh, fall basically in this area. So it's it's been beautiful as always. Um, and yeah, so except for that little hurricane blip, it was uh, it, it's been a beautiful season. Oh, that's really good. I've been told to ask about a plastic yak that you keep. Oh. <laughs> I know the uh, people listening can't see this, uh, but this is this was given to me some time ago. They'll see it on the YouTube version. On YouTube, yeah. So if, if people like video, I'm not one of those people, but I, I do podcasts while I'm walking. Her name is Yolanda, and there's a story here. Uh, I was at a company retreat in 2019, so when we were still RayWenderlich.com. Um, went to a retreat down Ray's neck of the woods, actually, um, in Massanutten, Virginia. Beautiful spot, just outside the Blue Ridge Mountains. Like, beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, anyways, and it was we were having one of those fun things uh, that Ray and Vicky and, and that maybe Andrea, I forget, had organized. Uh, anyways, it, it sort of gave everyone a prize. Uh, and there were all kind of silly prizes. Like we have, I have a colleague that's, that surfs with sharks off the south coast of Africa and stuff. It's just, you know, these crazy awards. Uh, anyhow, uh, that year I won the Yak Award because, uh, as you both know, having worked with me for a little while now, I can talk forever. So anyway, <laughs> I was awarded with this Yak Award. And it, to me, it's not a throwaway award because she sits here every day on my desk and she's looking at me with these beady red eyes. And says, don't, you don't need to talk right now. You need to keep it short and succinct and let other people talk. So she's been here taking care of me for a couple of years now, trying to keep me from being too verbose, actually. So she's been my, she's been my good companion on every Zoom meeting. I think everybody needs companion animals for their, uh, for their work. I, of course, have the two tigers. Have you met them before? Yes, I have, actually. I have. They were there in the last podcast. Have have I told you their names? I forget. Remind me. This is Jesse and this is Katie. Uh, <laughs> and for those listeners who don't know, they're not the caterwauls, not the caterwauls, but the tiger walls. Yeah. Yes, those are the tiger walls. Uh, <laughs> Jesse and Katie are two of uh, of Kodeko's longtime uh, uh, employees. Yep, absolutely. And I was going to show you, I have a whole host of, I have a tiny lion. And I have a Snoopy, and I have another <laughs> Snoopy, and of course a rubber duck for decoding. So, oh, there you go. Debugging. It's a rubber duck. Always a rubber yes. duck. Yeah, Yolanda the Yak is not very good at debugging. She's just like, nope, I'm, I'm, 
doesn't do that. She just wants to talk, right? So. She wants to stop me from talking. Yeah. On the, on the topic of talking and uh, and the most graceless transition I'll ever make on beat poetry, you've <laughs> recently <laughs> found out you're related to Jack Kerouac. <laughs> this happened just yesterday. Just yesterday, because everyone hears the last name said, are you French? I'm like, well, my grandfather's French, but I speak French. But I mean, if you're in, if you live in Canada, you all speak French because you'll read the back of the cornflakes box and everyone in Canada can say flacon de May, you know, at least. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my 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 cousin is uh, kind of the family genealogist on my father's side. And he just dropped in the Facebook yesterday. Someone had asked him a question about lineage and stuff. And when he traced it back, he discovered that the Belanger line in this area of the world is really to Jack Kerouac. There are, there's about, I think they're called the original 32. There's 32 families that came from France and settled in what was like Upper Canada at the time, which is Quebec right now. Um, very French area of the world for those that aren't familiar. But uh, of these 32 families, um, one line, I forget the actual um, line it is, but uh, Jack Kerouac um, was actually born French. I didn't realize that. And he didn't speak English oh, confidently until his high No, he didn't speak English confidently until his high school years. Oh, uh, wow. Never knew that. Yeah, and fascinating. So um, I've only read a few of his things. I loved On the Road. Um, I love all the beat poets. So it was really kind of cool to realize that through like the 75th cousin removed or something that, you know, Kerouac is from a similar uh, lineage that, that I'm from. So it's, it's, it's pretty neat. He's not my great uncle or anything, but... It's just just neat the connections that we have in this world. So really awesome. Yeah, that is really neat. You need to go back and read read on the road again. It's cool. Yeah. So we'll eventually get around to talking about the company we all share and rebranding. But I'm curious because I've seen you in our developer videos, and I know pretty mm -hmm. much the folks who've been around a long time started as devs. You know, like started in their careers as devs. So how how are you a CMO? Are you a chief marketing officer? Like, <laughs> where did where did marketing enter your life, and how do you feel wow. about that? Wow. Okay, so there is there's a long and twisting story, um, from, from, which is the same for most people, I guess. You don't sort of wake up as a child, eight years old, eight years old, and say, "I want to be a CMO." No eight year old says that. Um, I I started coding when I was seven years old. Actually, um, that's where that's where I started. I've been doing it's in my book. It's been doing my whole life. But despite that, when I graduated from high school, I said, I don't, I, I think those computer programmers are too ivory tower-ish. I don't want to be with them. I want to do something more real. So I thought I'm going to be an electrical engineer. And so I did it for the first three years um, until I started to flunk some courses and realized that engineering really wasn't for me, to be honest. <laughs> so I switched into computer science and said, okay, this is what I should have been doing all along. Do what you love, right? People tell you all the time, do what you love, listen to them. Um, did that and I was a coder for 20 years. Um, now the marketing thing is interesting because I can't just do one thing. Maybe you two are the same. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are the same. There's always that Sunday side project we have going mm -hmm. on. Uh, and I, I, I can't do nothing. So back in the early 2010s, maybe, maybe before that slightly as well. Um, you know, I had a blog. And it was a health and fitness blog because despite my current physique, I actually am a uh, certified personal trainer. You wouldn't know what to look at me. Oh, cool. But I, I, I know. I love, I love this stuff. So anyways, I have this blog and I would post a lot of reviews and stuff like this. It got some traction. And I said, I bet you I can monetize this, as we all did back in 2010 era. Um, started doing 
um, affiliate marketing, found out there was really slimy ways to do it, tried to do it some really clean ways, learned about, a lot about SEO, learned a lot about copywriting. Um, I'm an avid writer alongside as an avid reader as well. So I, I, I love written words. I'm a language pedant, you know, like don't, don't, don't write the wrong your in front of me because I will, I will tear you apart. <laughs> um, but, so, but I had all these weird disparate kind of things. So I was, so I had the programming background, obviously, and I had this love for writing. Um, I love teaching actually taught Java 1.0 oh, years cool. ago, 20, oh, over yeah, 24. How old is Java? I don't even know. Like it's a old long time now. ago. It's old. Yeah. It's, oh, it was, it was old back then. I never like Java, but um, yeah, so all these things, teaching and writing and the affiliate marketing and then the, the white hat affiliate marketing I used to do all kind of converged. And I was actually fairly happy at this, um, uh, at this uh, firm I was at. We were doing a lot of uh, like uh, large scale and medium scale industrial programming, real time stuff, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and then Ray emails me out of the blue because I've been, again, I can't do one thing. I've been freelancing on the side, editing a lot of Ray stuff. And out of the blue, Ray emails me. This was back in 2016. Dean, which is a couple of moons ago. And he says, Hey, crazy question. Would you like to come with us full time and edit stuff full time? And I was like, do I want to leave a programming career and all the growth and benefits that comes with that? And I took the leap and never looked back. Oh wow! Um, so anyway, so edited stuff then became, as we grew, became managing editor, then became editor in chief. And then we realized, oh, we've built a fairly decent company on luck and duct tape and, uh, you know, string and sealing wax. And we said, what could we do if we actually doubled down and took marketing seriously? So I came over as the one person in the marketing group as the chief marketing officer. And I've spent the last year and a half building out the marketing place around here. Um, it's been wonderful this is something i love to do i get to work with coders like you every day so i never get too far from from the coding side so it was never planned i do not have an mba i may get it someday but um just having worked with the audience for so many years ago like, oh, all of our customers all of our fans all the people that come in and do stuff here having just worked with them for years and been my right. target market in a way you just you, you, you talk to people because they're your colleagues they're your friends you know what they what their pain points are. And, and that's, that's worked out well so far. So um, it's a really, really fun area to be in. I love working in marketing. What a good statement for marketing. It's a, it, it's an amazing climb. It has been. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a roller coaster. It really has. You have contributed a lot, somewhat in the background, but you know, as chief editor, as editor in chief, et cetera, um, mm. the, the contributions have been numerous, you were one of the people who actually presented the idea of the rebranding. <laughs> I, I wasn't the original, but I, I I tried to kind of bring it into something concrete because Ray's always known that there's thousands of people that think Ray does all the stuff on the site. Mm -hmm. Ray writes all the books and Ray does all the stuff, and you know, and it's nice that people think that highly of him. But at the same time, we have over three hundred content contributors around the world, um, and they're all contributing to a blog with someone's personal name on it. And it's like, and that's always bothered Ray because it's never been about him. It's never been about Ray. It's always been about his team. He is, he's a bleeding heart for his team. He loves his team. So we'd bat it around a bit <clears throat> because there was always this disconnect as well. Like our core company was called Ray Square. 
that's what Ray's indie company was when he started developing apps. And he was going to be the next big thing in app development and actually did fairly well. But that was the company back there, Raysware. Then he started his blog, raywarenlick.com. Well, that took off, but the company was the LLC is still called Raysware. So what do you do? So anyways, the raywarenlick.com brand took off. Raysware LLC is where we all worked and got paid. And there was always a disconnect. People didn't understand the connection. So, which made for interesting sales meetings and stuff like that. It was especially interesting because if you actually went to raiseware.com, it was sort of always perpetually under construction. It was. It really was because what are we going to say about our company? Yeah, we're like a couple dozen people that that make raiseware.com happen. There wasn't much to talk about. Um, but when our new CEO, Matt, who I believe was in your previous episode, mm-hmm. um, came on, he said, there's we need to unify all of this. And you know, I, I agreed. Ray had bought domains years ago, tutorialteam.com and stuff. We, we held on these domains for years thinking, okay, when can we make the switch? And that time was never right because we were too busy. We were too small. We were um, too busy you know, taking care of other things. Why rebrand? Because things were going just fine. So, so Matt said, why don't you put something together? And I said, okay, all right. And then like uh, the day before uh, our senior meetings in December of 2021, I still didn't put together a presentation. So I actually took up my iPad and <laughs> Procreate and my Apple Pencil and just sketched out about 15 or 20 slides and said, here's basically what I think we should do and why we should do it. And stuck them together as photos. Didn't even make a slide deck, to be honest. And just like, so I swiped through all these photos at our meeting. And that was the genesis of the decision that we should rebrand in 2022. And what's what's truly amazing is uh, having seen a lot of what's been going on on the inside, the Ray Wenderlich site never skipped a beat. It continued to turn out tutorials and books and videos. It, it was like nobody mm-hmm. on the outside could have known that there was this much churning going on inside the machine. Yeah, it, it, it was. And that's that was by design. Like we we're not going to uh, we didn't want to interrupt anything because that's a disservice to our audience, disservice to the team members that create the stuff. Like it had to be done in parallel and kind of flipped, which is exactly what we did this past weekend. Um, it like we the, the engineering team built up everything in parallel. So we actually were running two sites side by side for about the last week or two weeks. So literally we had the code echo site and we had the Ray Wendelik site running in parallel. Uh, and then all we had to do was kind of flip the theme over. Wasn't quite that easy. It's not just the theme. There's a ton of things in the back end. We have a ton of microservices and integrations and stuff and permissions with videos that need to be fixed manually. And so a lot of stuff that need to be plugged in the background that we, you know, didn't, couldn't do immediately, but yeah, it was always the intent. Can we build this up without interrupting anybody? And the engineering team just works miracles, given their size and the innovative stuff they come up with to say, what can we do so we don't blow everything out of the water to make it as seamless as possible for visitors? Because we've got millions, millions of hits a year. And, you know, that takes a lot of orchestration, a bit of luck. And they did a great job. I think I want to know more about what was in that Procreate not slide <laughs> deck. And like, how, like. <laughs> How'd you know when to rebrand? And I know you've shared, and we've we've got some notes yeah. we use to to chat with our guests. You've shared that you've been through a rebrand before. So how do you know when it's time to rebrand? Um, it's there's there's never a right time. It's like having kids. There's never a right time. You just have to do it. Or getting a dog as she sleeps somewhere in this house. Just 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 do it. The um, 
it's what makes it tricky is because again, and this is really kind of sloughing off the question to something else, but it's different for everybody. And you have to know a, your market and B, you have to know how um, amenable your audience is going to be rebranding. Because one of the problems with rebranding, not problems, I guess challenges with rebranding is that a lot of companies do it to save face. So if they've been involved in a scandal, if there's been like massive layoffs or they've been acquired, oh, let's just rebrand and erase history. So people are, you know, noticeably a little sketchy around rebrands. And they're always right. asking, what, did you, did you get acquired? So you have to measure that fairly carefully. You have to know, how does my audience, how will they respond to this? And we've got a lot of very loyal fans who've been here forever. So we knew it would be a bit tricky. Um, but for us, um, we knew it was time because we were at a kind of certain critical size. And we knew that we were at a critical size. Our contributor team was at a critical size. And more than just putting a new face on stuff, we wonder what unify all that team because it's it's kind of weird that, hey, we're this company, but we have all these content creators. We needed something to unify everybody. So that was what told us more than anything. I think it was the right time to do it. So what what experience were you able to bring from previous rebrandings into this? <laughs> this was the hardest rebranding I've ever done. And I was only involved peripherally with two other rebrandings that happened in my life. Um, um, one, one was while I was working. This is about 15 years ago. In 10, uh, 15, uh, I've been working a long time. I'll say it's about 15 years ago. But um, it was a fairly simple rebrand because it was a company I was working for. We did a lot of health consulting. And they had a um, like a package of software. Um, but... They also had the same same thing because their name was Deltaware, actually. They were acquired a few years ago by Maximus as well. I was there for about seven years. Um, so they had a lot of like uh, healthcare management software and healthcare financial software in their package. And they rebranded because we had three different kind of products and they all different names. Their rebrand was to consolidate the products into one package and sell it to large governments, basically. Um, that, that was fairly standard, went fairly well. New, new logo, new name. Um, that went fairly well. The interesting one was when I was in um, university, actually. And I'll try to make the story short. But um, as I mentioned earlier, I was I set out life to be an electrical engineer. So at that point, uh, the way it worked is that you did two years somewhere else and then came to finish off three years at what we call the Technical University of Nova Scotia, uh, or TUNS, as we called it. Um, now, there's a plethora of universities in my city. Um, too many, but not enough at the same time. But anyway, so just before I graduated, God, 2000. Um, so just before I graduated, um, the technical university merged with, uh, Dalhousie university in the town, go tigers. Um, because it just, it just made sense financially and logistically and just bring the two campuses together under one. Um, and, the uh, the naming committee cast around because you're bringing together two organizations, large organizations, old organizations that have very different ident identities. And they were looking, how can we merge these together and also get a name that people can be proud and stand behind? So we're there at the unveiling ceremony. I wasn't privy to the final name. I was, I was kind of involved in some student groups and stuff who were trying to help, you know, um, consult with the name and figure out what people would like. We're at the unveiling ceremony. It's a wine and cheese thing. Everyone's there. The presidents of the university are there. And they've got a plaque on the wall covered by a sheet. 
and they give some speeches and then they unveil this plaque and the name's terrible. And <laughs> the room went silent. The room went silent. And it wasn't long after that that um, they picked a brand new name, just kind of covered up the whole thing. I went looking a couple of weeks ago. I couldn't actually find evidence of this old name. But yeah, I, I, it was one of those things that everyone felt so good about. And then at the unveiling, they missed the mark. And now they're not doing it for the students. That's not who it's for, but it was such a low moment i think so um so i've taken those those ideas about rebranding to say okay so it's it's not always just about the name it's about how you approach it's about how you inform people of it it's about who you involve as well because you can involve people but if you know at the end of it you're going to reveal something people hate then you've done it wrong to be honest. We'll have more of the Codeco podcast after these words from Split IO. This podcast is brought to you by the Split Feature Management and Experimentation Platform. What if a release was exactly how it sounds? A liberation from constraint, a moment of relief, an escape from outdated processes, tedious software, changes, and the slow, painful deployments that hold back product engineers. Free your teams and your features with Split. By attaching insightful data to feature flags, Split helps you quickly deploy, measure, and learn the impact of every feature you release, which means you can turn up what works, turn off what doesn't, and give software innovation the room to run wild. Now you can safely deliver features up to 50 times faster and exhale. Split feature management and experimentation. <laughs> What a release. To reimagine software delivery and propel your teams forward, start your free trial at split.io slash Codeco. And we'd like to thank Split.io for sponsoring this episode of the Codeco podcast. So let's see, what was this quote here? Never ever deconstruct a working brand. Mm. <laughs> I hope this person doesn't come after me. Um, you know, there's there's always people that aren't going to like it, and that's completely okay. Like I remember when, um, oh gosh, I, oh Slack introduced a feature, and I was like so upset, and I tweeted at the the Slack team. It's just like you know, with such microaggressions with developers, right? We're we're terrible for this stuff. You know, people change an icon, people change the color of the. Blue, Twitter blue or something and everyone loses their minds. Um, but this one person uh, on one of our social media platforms, you know, shared in response to what we shared, which is fine, saying, you know, they said, never, ever deconstruct a working brand. And I found that really interesting because on one level, that's true. Uh, so I give them credit for that. The, um, the interesting thing is, though, is that a brand has a lot of different sides. And depending where you are, you see a different side. Like it's, it's got, it's um, polyhedral, I guess, right? It's, it's got mm -hmm. all these different sides to it. Um, so you've got the public perception, Ray Wenderlich, you know, a, a pillar of the iOS and, and mobile community. Uh, and then you've got people inside the company who are getting paid to do what we do. Then we've got people on the content contributor team that love to, you know, share their knowledge and worth with with the universe and um, it depends which sort of facet of that, you know, multi edged diamond you're looking at in terms of a rebound to say, well, this is a working brand and it wasn't broken in any sense. And I'm a huge fan of that saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It wasn't broken in any sense, but it wasn't doing service from a different facet, not the customer facing facet, but like the team facet and our facet, because we have people from around the world contributing to this blog with a guy's name on it 
And it's not really what the spirit is. So in that respect, it wasn't working well enough. I, you know, I, I don't care if my company's named that. You know, customers don't really care um, what bottle of water they buy from the store. They just want the bottle of water. So it's like the name means something to them. But at the same time, the brand wasn't working in terms of us having a unified organization. Um, and there's also, there was the confusion of the Rayswear versus RayWagerLuck.com. We tried to resolve with that as well. But really, it's to let Ray step back further from what he's done. So we've given him his name back. I hope he's, hope he's enjoying having his name back. Um, <laughs> at the same time, I'm hoping that the team and the community as well um, feel good about bonding under this new name because it's, 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 it's like a blank canvas. And Codeco, what does Codeco mean? It's just, it's not anyone's name. It doesn't mean anything, except that now we've given that meaning by bringing our team and our effort and the love for what we do behind this name. So now that is what we are. So in respect, um, we we may have deconstructed a working brand, but it was only working on one or two of those sides, not not all the way around. You have this branding, and you have this very well planned out procreate sketch deck. <laughs> how much planning actually went into how you were going to go through this process? How, what was your your system of, of saying, okay, now we're going to do this? Oh my gosh, I wish um, I wish I could say that my little twelve slide Procreate deck was uh, was all we needed, and I, we should drop a link to that in the show notes because um, there's nothing proprietary in there. It's just about my philosophy about rebranding and how you know it's the right time and and what it affects. Um, it's it took a tremendous amount of planning. Our CEO, Matt Derrick, has a really great long-form piece uh, on the blog, which I'd, I'd like to link mm-hmm. to in the notes as well. Uh, 319 days to building a brand, or as, or as I think think of it, overnight success in 319 days. It, um, it took a tremendous amount of planning because um, what's tricky is not sort of just lining up all the to-dos to take care of this. And there are a ton, like from everything from our marketing materials to the website, to the engineering stack, to our content, to our team, there's all these details that need to be changed. But the biggest thing to manage was actually um, all the personalities and all the people involved as well. Like that's that was the hardest thing because we're affecting a lot of different people here. So internally in the company, our huge team of content creators, our even larger team of customers. And then not only that, but we have a lot of um, like partnerships or loose partnerships with large organizations, JetBrains, Google, uh, MongoDB, and others I can't think of at the top of my head, um, itty bitty apps, but places like that. Like we've, this industry, this community isn't that huge. It's not billions of people. We've got good connections with like lots of people like the Flutter team at Google and stuff like this. And we had to manage that relationship as well. So a ton of planning went into managing the relationships with the brand, which is weird because a brand is an inanimate kind of amorphous thing. But this is what was hard. Like, well, what would the content team think when we said we're going to pick a different name? What would the company think when we told them? What would our customers think when we finally revealed it? Because you can't reveal anything too early in this world or gets blasted over Twitter. What would our you know industry connections think when we said we we're rebranding? Would they think we were getting bought out or all this? So you have to get ahead of all of that. And so how'd you actually yeah. do it? Like, how'd you figure out from when you convinced, <laughs> you know, that leadership meeting where you're like, I made this, these pictures and let's rebrand and people are like, okay, let's to, okay, what do we have to do in what order and who do we need to tell? And 
How do we this, get buy-in? Yeah. This is where um, delegation comes in really, really well. So what I what I did, um, because this thing was massive, like I say, it's, it's, I, I used to do a lot of project management. And, and what I do, this is the biggest thing I've ever managed. Um, a lot of it is picking really key people to delegate to. And we have a great company, um, very diligent, dedicated people. And from, from that, I picked, I think it was like seven different team leads to focus on a certain area. Uh, and not necessarily exactly what their, what their job was, but really kind of adjacent to their, um, their real true skills. So for instance, I would put someone in charge of communicating with, with the content contribution team because they work really well. They have a good trust level communication of, of the content team. So that person was in charge of communicating and soliciting feedback and running stuff like that. I also had someone in charge of everything customer facing. So um, it was like um, customer communications, support desk, things like that. They were in charge of going and thinking through, okay, what do we need to change? What do we need to touch? What could possibly go wrong? And what order do things have to happen? I did that for engineering. We did that for design. We did that for PR. We did that for marketing communications and delegated. Not that I could sit around all day, but that was super key. That was super key because there's no possible way I would know these areas as deep as well as these people would. And I said, go bring me a list of everything you think we need to touch. Um, and they did really well. They brought back these huge lists. And then we had to sort through them. Where is, where is it overlapping? Because you you think, well, who owns this piece? Who owns who owns that piece? And then we had to sort through everything was kind of overlapping responsibilities and then divvied up by team. Um, and that was probably the most, most important thing, I think, that we would tackle on this. Getting the to-dos done is, is just a matter of sitting down and cranking it out. And figuring out what has to happen first is actually easier. But getting experts that know the areas really well to come back and say, here's this list of things we need to do. And then just having the trust with them to say, okay, tell me the order that have to happen and figure out how to do it. Right. I think, I that's, think that's the, the buy-in yeah. right there. It's like the right delegation is the buy-in. That's like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm, I trust you, you to do yeah. this massive and important task. Yeah. And even breaking it down seven different ways, it's still a massive task. Each of those seven tasks was still massive. And it's key to, to have these really good people to say, okay, you have ownership of this now. And the buck probably stopped with me as the owner and PM of, of the project. But I'm like, just, I trust you. I trust you to take this and do this and make decisions as well. You have to empower yeah. people to make decisions in the moment because we can't all come back and just discuss, 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 because we'd still be, we'd still be figuring out the rebrand right now. Go figure what needs to do and go make decisions. And that's the biggest thing you can do with any team on a project this size is empower people to just go make smart decisions. And not every decision will be hundred percent right, but the decision is made. And in the end, that's a lot usually way more important than getting the right decision. Absolutely. We're, we're nodding in, in strong agreement here. You've been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at parts of the time now, to be honest, we were also on the, the commenting committees at, at times. So, yeah. so it, it, it's hard to ask these questions. Like I don't know some of what happened <laughs> along the way. I, I, I remember seeing some of the original suggested names yeah. that came through and those were, those were interesting. Oh, talk talk about the uh, the the contest. Oh yeah, like they, like we one of the things we recognized early on is you know we talk about buy in. Um, our content contribution team they are the lifeblood of what we do, and we said let's 
it's easy to sit and it's easy to sit and dream up names, but let's make it fun. So we ran a little naming contest with our 300 plus content contributors and <clears throat> we had some cash prizes, which was fun. And a, a lot of the um, people that won actually donated their money to good causes, which was wonderful to see. Um, but we ran a contest and said, submit names, let us know what you think would be great. And we got hundreds of submissions for this. And some of them were you know, interesting because we said, what should RayWendler.com be if we had to change that name? And there were suggestions like not RayWendler.com, which is technically correct for, you know, <laughs> and very binary, very binary with the developers now. Uh, MattDerek.com was, was thrown out as your CEO. Um, KitchenSinkTutorials.net found its way into there. Um, and then uh, my absolute favorite of the, of not the bad ones, but the funny ones was Compile and Pray was my I absolute favorite. <laughs> I think the domains, if people here want to go steal that domain, I think it's a beautiful brand name, go steal it. Um, but out of that, we got a lot of really interesting names. And what was interesting, should come as no surprise to anyone who's ever been in development for about 10 minutes. Developers are very concrete and very literal. Um, we expected, I, I guess I expected a lot of really kind of um, ethereal names or amorphous names that are blank canvas like um you know like um I mean, but there's like some really concrete names like dev haven which actually was one of our favorites uh dev haven is actually a coding school for middle schoolers run by yale and i didn't want to go up against any yale lawyers so that was out <laughs> um but also also a lot of names with code in there and dev in there and that was um that was what led us down the path to codeco in the first place to be mm. honest because we realized that i mean our content team is like basically our target market as well except they're just they're all gurus of what they do um teaching others and it was like okay like if our content team identifies so closely with dev and code because that came up a lot because we did sentiment analysis and all the names too like how do they lean concrete and very concrete, very literal. Um, so the code aspect, because dev dev didn't work in a lot of a lot of cases, but the code was kind of that nugget that brought us down to the code echo. You know, code code and echo. We've talked about that before. The naming code community as well is kind of what Kodoka means. Uh, code echo's got a lot of different things, but that naming contest was so interesting that um, it revealed people don't. You know, devs don't want some weird name that doesn't really mean anything. They want something that resonates, that identifies them to say, we code. It's what we sit down and do every day. And this is why they wanted dev in there. They wanted code in there. They wanted something that represented them. And I think that's where we eventually landed. And it's a good landing. Thank you. <laughs> very, very long descent. It has to be. We're not rebranding again anytime soon. No, it was a very long descent to that landing, but we got there. And uh, and it was just a flip of the switch and everything worked well mostly like i gotta give props to the engineering team they worked um we started doing stuff on the friday before the go live and that was like switching over our internal domains emails things like that the um the engineering team stood up some stuff on saturday as well we started to rebrand socials on saturday until we realized that facebook was blasting out updates and like did not expect that so 15,000 of our closest friends got an early taste of Code Echo, which was not planned, but whatever. You smile and carry on. 
Um, it's a soft launch. It's a soft, yeah. Well, this is the thing too. I mean, traffic is very low on the weekends because I believe devel developers actually have lives. We've discovered so the weekends are very slow for traffic. I may, I may beg to differ. I may beg to differ with you there. <laughs> We've interviewed a lot of developers here, and when we ask them what they do when they don't code, they code. I I know, and I'm I was as guilty as that for years and years as well. But um, we stood up everything cosmetic really well. We CSS is an interesting beast. We're still fixing CSS. CSS bugs. Um, so it went well, but there's still lots and lots of things to, to clean up, mostly unnoticeable. I wish we had time to play the entire interview, but if you'd like to see the interview with all the material, watch YouTube for the full video version. Chris, I cannot thank you enough for your time and taking time out to be with us. I know it's been a busy 200 and how many days? 319 days. 319 days. Almost an entire days. year. Almost an entire wow. year. It's been, a, it's been a very busy year for you, and I really thank you for yep. uh, just, I mean, we're recording this days after launch. Yep. So it, it's still a bit chaotic, but we really appreciate your time. I really want to thank you for being on the show oh well i've i've had a blast and you know i can talk about this forever um it's uh, it's it, it's funny because you, you bring all these skills like project management and your development and thinking about the marketing and perception of the customers and stuff it's really rewarding to bring it together and have it go not too badly actually it's <laughs> it, it, it all worked out and there's always doubts and even post rebrand are like, oh, did we do the right thing? Like, did we deconstruct a working brand? Like, what if they're right? <laughs> so you just, you, but uh, you make the best assumptions you can going forward. And, oh gosh, this is, this has been so much fun. Um, I love geeking out about uh, project management. Thank you, Susanna. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been great to talk about this. Um, it's good that it's over. Still a lot of cleanup left to do. Um, but yeah, just having the ability to have a, team that did a great job. I'm so proud of all of them. And now we have a lot of what if to think about going forward. And that feels really good. Uh, well, thank you again, Chris. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's great to get to understand this better, to understand the management perspective on it better, and to get to know you better and, and see so many skills that you're bringing to the to the C-suite of this place. Oh, yeah. Thank you. It is not me. It is the amazing team that does everything around here. I just push the buttons and use spreadsheets, I guess. So that's what I do. If you want to reach out to any of us, of course, I am podcast Drew on Twitter. That's D-R-U. Susan Suzanne Gupta is Suz Gupta, S-U-Z-G-U-P-T-A. And of course, Chris is Crispy Twit, which is C-R-I-S-P-Y-T-W-I-T. We'll have those in the show notes. But other than that, that's going to wrap things up. We will see you all again in two weeks. Thank you very much. And that's a wrap. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the Codeco podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to leave a rating in your favorite podcast app. See you next time.